Hey guys, welcome to a bonus episode of Lunch Therapy. You may be wondering, hey, why is he posting on a Friday? What's going on? And what is this content? I don't recognize it. Well, let me explain. I went to lunch with my friend. Sorry, I went to dinner. I had lunch on the mind uh, with my friend Ben Mandelker, who I had on Lunch Therapy a week or two ago, who hosts, co-hosts the podcast Watch What Crappens. And he was talking about putting up more content on my Lunch Therapy feed. And he talked about how people would maybe want to hear more about my cooking and more about my restaurant experiences and just things that I don't normally get to talk about when interviewing other people. So I had the thought, well, Ben and I went to dinner at this restaurant called Bari uh, in, I guess it was in West Hollywood, although we talk about that. Um, and I thought it would be fun to have Ben on so we could chat about our meal and what we thought of the food, but also other things. And, and it ended up being a really fun conversation. And so my plan is to try to do some more episodes throughout the week like this, um, you know, reviewing restaurants, maybe talking about what I've been cooking with some friends. Uh, so look out for that other content. And I also love to answer your cooking questions in a special segment. So if you have a cooking question or a food-related question, please record a voice memo of yourself asking the question so I can put it in the podcast and then email it to lunchtherapist at gmail.com. That's lunchtherapist at gmail.com. And I'll do an, an, a future episode where I answer your cooking questions. All right, well, here is my spontaneous restaurant review of Bari with my friend, Ben Mandelker. Okay. Well, um, Ben, you have been my mentor this week and told me I should do more podcasts during the week. So here we go. Oh, my goodness. I'm so glad that you've taken the advice right away. I feel like I give <laughs> a lot of advice like this, and you're the first person to say, sure, I will do that. I will do that like within 48 hours. Well, my thought was if I don't do it, I'll never do it. So um, here we are. So basically, Ben and I went to dinner the other night. We went to Bari. And was that in West Hollywood, would you say? Or was- um, I don't know. It's like that weird area that's not quite West Hollywood. I think it's casually known as Beverly Hills adjacent. But um, okay. it's, it's maybe some might say the Grove, but that doesn't feel right. I don't really know what that area is. Third Street. Yeah, Third Street. We went on a Third Street. And um, so I, my thought today is like we could like talk about our meal, maybe like review the restaurant, but casually just talk about the experience. Mm-hmm. I mean, what, what was your overall sense of this place? Did you like it? Would you go back? Yeah, I actually really liked it a lot. First of all, I want to say thank you for inviting me on to do this because I, it occurred to me we talked so much at dinner, but we didn't really, really get into the food. You know, we talked yeah. about that we, what we liked and what we didn't. So it's actually really nice to be circling back to do this. I really liked the restaurant a lot. Um, I would totally go back there. I was very happy with it. I, I found it to be, um, I, I thought it was a, a nice atmosphere. I liked the vibe. I liked the service. I liked the food. What did you think? Well, I liked it. It's funny. I'm going to look up um, Bari restaurant because I feel like I should we should give a context for it, right? Because it's like a new yes. restaurant and it's based on the food from the Bari region of Italy, which I believe is in Puglia, which yes, is why I'm looking Puglia. this up. Puglia. They said Puglia, the boot. That's what the waitress. The boot. Yeah, I said the boot. Okay, so yeah. we're good. We got and I think it's the the um, wait, the chef from um, God. See, this is why I shouldn't do this. I don't even know. But he's the it's chef. Okay. From what's that other oh, Antico, Chad Colby. Let me just go. Oh, this that name Chad Colby sounds very familiar. I feel yeah, like, has he had go. other restaurants? Yeah, here we go. At Bari, Chad Colby brings a taste of Puglia to Los Angeles. He's an Italiophile who found his love of the country through school sponsored trips that 
introduce him to hundreds of wines and regional cooking. But yeah, I think, have you ever been to Antico? I haven't. Where is that? It's on um, Beverly and it's near Koreatown. And, hmm. um, and it, during the pandemic, it went from being like a sit down restaurant to making pizzas that you can get delivered. Hmm. And uh, my main memory of being there was that they have pots and pans hanging all over the tables. Hmm. Um, sorry, I'm just making sure this is the same guy. It's great, great in a uh, earthquake prone city. Just so funny you should say that there. because when we were there, there was an earthquake and no way. all the pots and pans started swinging back and forth and it was both terrifying and exhilarating. Oh yeah, it, he is the chef at Antico. Okay, I'm not crazy. Um, so yeah, but Antico, when we went there, it was like, you know, pastas, uh, breads, and mm-hmm. as opposed to Bari, which I felt was more like, I think the center of the menu was like the grilled meats and that mm. kind of stuff. It's weird because in a weird way, it didn't feel like the menu had a center to me. It felt oh, wow. like okay, so shots it's fired. Not, <laughs> and it's not, but it's not even a, it's not even a shot fired. It's just a, an observation. I mean, the waitress said that the, the, the grills and skewered things were the, the heart of it, but looking at the physical menu, it was actually, it's a pretty small menu. Um, mm-hmm. And you, it has two columns and the whole left column are like little nibbles and bites and antipasti and things like that. And the, the grill, the, what is supposed to be the heart of it is only like one small section. Um, so it didn't, it just, to me, struck me as just another section on like a, like there was like a, there's like little things that you can, little areas that you can choose from and sort of like put together some sort of meal, you know? Yeah. Well, it's funny. What's occurring to me as you're talking is like you and I had never gone to dinner before Mm one-on-one. We've gone to a brunch before with a group of people, but it's making me think about, and this is very lunch therapy of me, which maybe it should or shouldn't be. I don't know. uh, was like about like negotiating the menu between the two of us. Like, how do you feel we did? Because I feel like early on we wanted to order something because mm-hmm. you were hungry i think or maybe i, I was came hungry. in i came into this meal like on fire because i was having an issue with my cpa and i was hungry <laughs> and i just sort of like sat down and just was like wow i unleashed and it was like i, I needed a glass of rose and it, yes it, it was like a very intense moment for me upon arrival um which i really felt bad about because it was just like a lot to just like kick off the meal with no no you have nothing so, to feel bad about but in okay. terms of like ordering that focaccia do you feel that was steered more by you or by me like how do you think that came about um i feel like it was steered more by the waitress to be honest she was like this is <laughs> she's like this is like one of the best focaccias in my life i've ever had uh but like i think it was for me I think I, I think I was the one who said, well, we'll, we should get the focaccia. Right. And you're like, yes, I think it was like a, a definite, like mutual interest yeah. in this breaded item. Cause we had seen it go by us right beforehand. So we already knew, we already had an eye on it. Right. Well, it's funny. Cause my friend Ryan says that, that there are restaurant tops and bottoms, like, and, <laughs> and like Ryan likes to top at restaurants in terms of just like being the one that grabs the menu. We're going to have this, this, and this. And like, he'll, we, yeah. I, I will go to dinner with him and he'll be like, we should get this, right. We should get this. We should get this. And so ultimately it's like, okay, we are getting all the things Ryan wants, but I thought you and I did a very delicate dance of like, it okay, was, I was yeah. perfect. I was very happy with how we did it. Um, I'm, I become a restaurant top at a place that like I go to a lot and I just Mm -hmm. know like, these are the things that people should be interested in, but I'll never just be like, we'll order this, this, and this, and this, unless the only time is if, if I get like a real, like clear sign, if we, if I go to dim sum, let's say, and I have like Mm -hmm. certain things that I love to get at a certain restaurant, I'd be like, okay, we should definitely get these. Is there anything else that people are interested in? But I'm never going to be like, you know, it's my way or the highway. But I thought that we had a very good, 
uh, selection process, but it occurred to me after the fact, the one thing we never got was a pasta. I thought about that, but I also felt like we were trying not to overorder. That's the felt yeah. like that was the vibe. And I had just gone to a restaurant the night before where I ate a lot. So I was like trying not to go crazy. Um, mm-hmm. But I was going to say you did sort of make a point, though, about the anchovies. That was you were like, we have to get the anchovies. Yes. So the reason why Barry even wound up on my radar, because I was the one who suggested it for both of us, is because my friend Diana had gone there and taken a photo of these gorgeous anchovies. And then my friend Christina had gone there and they both work in food PR. And she had also taken photos of gorgeous anchovies and they just looked delicious. And they were on this beautiful plate. And I just have had the restaurant on my mind ever since then. And they both said it was really good. Um, so that's why I suggested it. So I was, when we got there, I was like, I definitely, if nothing else, we need to get those anchovies. And I'm really glad we did. I am too. And it's funny, like I, we didn't, as you said, we didn't really talk a lot about the food while we were at the table. But now that I think back on those anchovies, I think when you said anchovies, I was sort of worried they would just be like skinny little like mm-hmm. oil pack, like the kind you get in a jar, but they were actually kind of meaty. they were almost like sardines to me. Like they were yes, more substantive and on the focaccia, they were delicious. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I didn't even put them on the focaccia. I just sort of ate it on its own to me, oddly enough. Uh, so I, since I'd seen a picture, I knew what to expect oddly enough they read a little bit to me like herring i don't know do you ever have um, pickled herring or anything it sort of was on that spectrum which for me is a compliment right that was i thought it was i thought the anchovies were really delicious um briny would unctuous be a right word to use for them? I never know when unctuous is proper to use. It's so funny. I was just with my friend Ben Mims the other day and we were talking about the word unctuous because I thought it was pejorative. Like when you call something unctuous, it's sort of like insulting it. Like, mm-hmm. and, and I guess if you call a person unctuous, it means they're greasy, like they're a greasy yeah. person. But I think if you're talking about food, it just, I think it means it's like rich and like, fatty. yeah. Yeah. So I think unctuous is good there. Well, either way, I really enjoyed them. And I probably would have said, let's order another round of them. Except again, I was literally unloading so much that the food, I I almost felt bad because I felt like in certain ways, the food was taking a backseat to our conversation, which in some ways that's good. Like the conversation should be the the number one thing. But um, I was definitely reflecting on the food while I was eating it, but it was not like, It was not like a food blogger meal where you sit and you take a bite and you think and you contemplate and you and you Mm -hmm. think about every single element. But the anchovies I thought were great. And just to circle back to the focaccia, because we never said what we thought about the focaccia. Yeah. Um, so the waitress really sold it, did a big sell on the on the focaccia. And my first bite was this is nice. It's not like amazing, it's just nice. Mm -hmm. But um by the end, I actually thought the focaccia was pretty amazing. It was very buttery, Uh or not buttery, oily, probably olive oily. Um, and it was like unctuous. I I thought there was like a nice crisp to it around the edges. Yes. I really liked it. That kind of like stayed with me way farther after the meal than I expected. Ah. Well, it's funny because I feel like focaccia is so in the moment right now, like everyone's like making focaccia and everyone Mm -hmm. is serving it. And I feel like if it came out a little warmer, like if I think temperature wise, if it had been a little hotter, I think it would Mm -hmm. have been more exciting, but I liked it. And I liked it as a vehicle for the um, anchovies, which I guess you just sort of ate focaccia separate, but I liked them together. And then there was that ricotta, which Mm. for me was the highlight of the whole meal. Yeah. I mean, uh, it was like a, 
It was like a, it was like a big, it was like a, uh, it almost, how do you present, how do you describe that presentation? It actually almost looked like, what is that Japanese, uh, there's a Japanese dish that comes, it looks like a little mound. Um, tofu? But it, it wasn't tofu, uh, but it, it did, it did look like a little <laughs> Mount Fiji of yes. ricotta. And yeah. what was else? Was there, er, what were, it was just almonds. herbs. Almonds, almonds. It yeah, toasted almonds. almonds. Yeah. And it was, um. It was funny because she said that they imported the ricotta, which in the back of my mind, I was like, well, is that so great that you imported it from Italy? Because ricotta should be fresh and like, mm-hmm. you know, it's like the fresh cheese, but it was so rich and unctuous maybe, yeah. but it was, uh, but it almost tasted to me like cream cheese. Like it was so it like, like thick and I'm used to ricotta being like soft, but I loved it. Yeah, I thought it was, I mean, I, first of all, I mean, I'm always going to be happy with the cheese and I'm always going to be happy with something that resembles cream cheese. I mean, I love cream cheese and I think it has, yes. cream cheese has many more uses than it gets credit for. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, yeah, it was, it was rich. It was creamy. It was smooth. It was a definite surprise. And it was, it was hearty. It was a hearty, you know, serving of ricotta. I didn't feel like it was like, Sometimes uh, with a cheese dish, like a burrata, I feel like you get a few bites worth and then it's gone. Yeah. And I felt like that ricotta was really there for a while. And then we got, um, did we get a vegetable? We got, by the way, we, uh, with, we got some crackers to go oh yeah, the crackers. with the ricotta. Those were we, weird. Those were like little knots. They were, um, they were like, they were, what, which ones were the, oh, the, the tarali? Tara, I'm looking at the menu right now. Yeah, I'm looking at it too. Yeah. Metal crackers. They were nice. I think they were more of a bar snack. We got them almost to like have as a uh, a vehicle for the ricotta, and I don't, yeah. I don't actually don't think it was the best ricotta vehicle because they were kind of dry and salty yeah. in a way, like intentionally, like they were yeah. felt more like they should have been with a cocktail, right? Now, looking at the menu, there's something that I'm angry about. And I don't know if you're going to share this with me. I'm not like a price person where like I look at the price and like, is this, you know, like sometimes I'll just order and eat and be happy. But like, I'm looking at the price of the octopus skewer that we had Mm -hmm. and it was $22 for the octopus skewer. And it came with three tiny little pieces of octopus and two very large potatoes where to the point where like when Ben first, it was so dark in there when he first bit into it, he thought he was eating octopus, but he was actually eating a potato. And he said, this octopus tastes like a potato. <laughs> well, I was like, this is remarkably tender octopus. Cause it turns out I was biting into a potato, a very well cooked potato, by the way. Yes. But then I was like, wait a second, this is not an octopus. This is a potato. I didn't even know there was a potato on this. Cause I didn't, I had just forgotten. Um, yeah, that is a little high for something that when it arrived it felt a little bit more on the appetizer side you know sure. i think that maybe it should have been like a 16 uh just based on the other things that they have on this menu i, I would i would drop it down to a 16 dollar price but that being said the octopus was quite delicious it was delicious and maybe the labor involved is what we're paying for i mean i don't want to bitch about the price too much but it's i think when you think about like an entree like where it is on the menu yeah. it's like under entrees but it's under skewers and the other one we got though did have good value that was the lamb sausage which mm-hmm. was like coiled around in a circle so like you did yes. get a lot, a lot of meat um but yeah with the octopus i just felt like that was it felt like it was going to be more substantive i think they should have given you two skewers frankly yeah I, that I think if you're going to build the skewers as being the heart of the menu and like this is like that if this is like the quote-unquote entree area this is mm-hmm. not it's not an entree but you know yeah. it's these restaurants are tricky because the pulpo on its own is definitely not an entree it's an appetizer a small appetizer 
but like maybe this is the sort of place you get three of these skewers and you sort of put them together. Like maybe a skewer on its own is not supposed to be the entree. It's like yes. two or three, uh, which would make a little bit more sense. Um, but yeah, a little, definitely a little overpriced the Pulpo. Um, this is one yeah. of those places where the prices catch up to you because on their own, most you know, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's definitely like, uh, it's not like I don't look at it and say this is super expensive, but I don't look at it and say it's cheap. You know, the no. focaccia that we got was $12. So $12 is a lot for a focaccia, but it sort of makes sense for that price in this place. But this one is places where everything is sort of like 12 and 16 and yeah. 14 and 10. Sure. And then all of a sudden it just adds up and you have, cause they're small plates that you have a large bill. And did she suggest like two to three per person? They always do that. They're like, I, I don't remember what she suggested. But then we got something you really didn't like. You made a point to say at the end of the meal, um, you were not a fan of the stewed yellow wax beans um, mm. and tomato sauce with basil. Yeah. So I don't actually have a lot of experience with wax beans in general. Um, but this one, I actively did not like this one. Um, it was, I think it needed either a little bit more salt or whatever. Um, it was sort of like a tomato-based sauce. And the wax beans themselves felt a little... I mean, they're bitter, which may be just what wax beans are, because again, yeah. I don't have a lot of experience, but they were sort of bitter and um, they were bitter. And then the sauce itself didn't balance the bitterness for me. It was sort of like, it's hard to describe, but you know, when you have a tomato sauce or a tomato that's unsalted, mm -hmm. it kind of just hangs there in a way that's kind of sad yeah. flavor wise. And huh. to me, that's what was happening. And then it was just like playing off the wax beans in, in, in a way that wasn't pleasing to me i thought wax beans were like flat beans but maybe i'm wrong but i've made like a dish where like you cook them in tomato sauce and they kind of melt down and become mm -hmm. kind of unctuous no mm -hmm. um they become um just sort of like soft and like get mixed up in there and so it's almost like pasta where it like absorbs all the tomato sauce and what yeah. i didn't like about the beans which incidentally are called fagiolini or mm. Maybe Fagiolini? Fagiolini, sorry. Wow, <laughs> I should not have said that. Um, were, they were too al dente. They were, it was like eating like, you know, beans like picked off the stock, like kind of mm. crunchy. And I didn't love that. That's actually, I would have liked you like more crunch, to be honest. For some oh reason I was God, expecting, wow. but you know what? Actually, not so much crunch. I think for some reason I was expecting a little more crisp, which is a difference. Um, okay. And, but again, I kind of feel like I'm not going to go in too much on the wax bean itself because I really don't have a lot of experience with wax beans, but I do, I did feel like the tomato sauce did not play well with the wax beans. Now this speaks a lot to what, to like how I felt about this dish, but did we, or did we not order a, a tomato and melon salad? We did not. Oh, okay. Then I was yeah. like, it was super forgettable. <laughs> I <laughs> think I had that. Very forgettable. <laughs> yeah, because I went to Bicyclette the night before and I had that there. Yeah. And um, and that's a touchy subject for us because I wanted to go there with you, but I couldn't get us in. Oh, that's okay. I'm, I was really happy that I went to Bari. You know, I, yeah. was, I was very happy with this decision. Um, of course, the other thing we have to talk about is the dessert. Yeah, which, chocolate budino. Chocolate budino. So one thing that's notable about the dessert menu is it's not so much a dessert menu, it's a dessert item. Yeah. Because all it was was a chocolate badina. There was no, everything else were cocktails and aperitifs, yeah. right? And they were really trying to push those cocktails. They're like, they, she said, like, our desserts are mostly liquid. And then we recommend yeah. like one or two. And it was like, I don't think we're going to do that. <laughs> I, I appreciate that if I actually weren't driving or also so full already, I might have enjoyed a little, you know, 
Digestive. after dinner cocktail just for yeah. the, in the spirit of it. But as it was, we got the chocolate patino. And I have to say, it was actually a fantastic chocolate patino. And it was a yeah. huge serving. Yes. Um, and I mean, and that was the thing that put me over the top. I left that meal actually extremely full. Mm. Um, and I think it was the budino that kind of, you wouldn't think it felt like everything was so small, but the budino, I think really kind of sealed it. I think if you had that ricotta and the budino, that's pretty hearty stuff in there. So did you fast the next day for Yom Kippur? Uh, well, I <laughs> It's okay if you to, didn't. Yeah, I didn't. You know what? Uh, the next day I had to record four podcast episodes and I was like, wow. I cannot do this on an empty stomach. So I got a bagel from Maury's, which I know we discussed, you know, you're more of a courage, courage uh, bagels person than a which Maury's. Which is shocking to me that you don't think courage bagels are the best bagels you've ever had in your life. Like a hundred percent, not the best. Like, I think that they are, I said this to you. I said this to my friend who brought me there. I thought that they were an excellent breaded product. I think I had <laughs> something that was very delicious, you know, in the way that if you have a breaded product fresh out of the oven and it's made properly, it's, it's delicious, but it was not giving me what I needed out of a bagel and cream cheese. I, the cream cheese itself didn't have the tang that I wanted. And wow. so it was a lovely it was a lovely thing that I ate, but it did not scratch my bagel itch. And your go-to bagel in LA is Maury's. Maury's or the bagel broker. Maury's, I think, is the best. And then bagel and had, broker had, is also good. And you had Maury's on Yom Kippur, which I, I think is okay. Yes. I think that's, you know, I, feel it was a, it was, I was patronizing a Jewish-owned business, which, and then I didn't eat anything until that evening. So, and then I broke my fast with pork. So it's <laughs> sort of not my you greatest were bad Jewish juice. moment. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you probably don't have that much to atone for. I mean, you only had one glass of rosé at Bari. So I feel <laughs> like you, you must be a lightweight if you were worried about driving home after one glass of rosé. You know what? Um, I know too many people who've gotten DUIs. <laughs> yeah, I do too. But I don't think one glass of rosé and a digestive would get you a DUI. I don't think no, it would no. put you over. No, I, I don't think so. But I, I don't know. There's something about having a digestive and then going right to the car that I was like, okay. Mm. I was like, I, I'm, I, and I am a lightweight these days. The pandemic really, like, I used to be able to throw back many drinks and I, the pandemic really, really made me a lightweight. So I just, well, I'm just careful. Yeah. I know so many people who stopped drinking in the pandemic because mm. they were drinking too much at the beginning, probably because of anxiety and stress. Mm. So yeah, that makes sense that the pandemic put you back. A yeah. My, bit. my boyfriend's not a huge drinker. And so, um, anytime I, a lot of times if I'm drinking, I'm drinking out socially with usually other people or like a happy hour with other people, like, like he will drink, but we are not the sort of couple that left to our own devices we're just going to have like a happy hour together. And I feel kind of weird drinking alone. So yeah. um, except for rare occasions when I'm like, you know what, this dish requires a beer for me to drink, you know? So we just didn't really drink that much during the pandemic. My husband is from like a family that enjoys a cocktail. And, um, mm -hmm. and so, and my family is sort of the opposite where like they're, they're shameful drinkers. Like my grandmother mm. used to like monitor first of all, she hated anybody drinking anything. So if my mom got a glass of wine, my grandmother would always say like, why do you need that? That was like the mm. classic one. Why do you need that? And if I got that, she'd go, you too. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and so there was like that, but like Craig's family is the total opposite in that. Like, they'll just like, look like, Ooh, let's get a cocktail. Like, Ooh, do you want a martini? Do you want, you know, and that, yeah. you know, his dad takes pride in like shaking something up and his mom loves it when Craig makes a French 75. So, you know, there's a lot mm. of, I've, I've learned, you know, people have very, different attitudes about drinking and people are touchy about it. Some people are, you know, excited about it, but you know, for me, I've learned it's, it's, it's something that 
each individual has their own relationship with. Yeah, exactly. My family was not a big drinking family. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I was a drinker. I was a big drinker in, in college and after college, but it's not, I did not grow up with my parents drinking wine around the din- dining room table or, you know, mm-hmm. making cocktails or martinis or doing happy hours. So that, so, you know, it's, and neither was Dom's family. So when left to our own two devices, I will always do a happy hour if someone wants to do a happy hour with me. But mm-hmm. if someone else is like, not is like, eh, it's not that big of a priority, then it's sort of, we just don't do it. I actually think I'm actually lucky because if I had been drinking a lot during the pandemic, man, I would have really needed to use that Peloton a lot more. So. <laughs> well, yeah, Craig got into cocktail making during the pandemic. Mm, so we would have fun. a cocktail at night. He, his best one was called the Oaxaca night from this um, amazing book by this guy, Sasha Petrosky whose book is called Regarding Cocktails. I highly recommend it. Okay. But the Oaxaca night has um, mezcal, tequila, mm. both those things. Oh, both. Honey syrup, lime juice. Wow. And it's like really like, it's almost like a margarita, but it's smoky and citrusy. Mm. And it just, it's actually really fantastic. But I had to like, yes, like to your point, I, I couldn't have one a night. It was like, let's just like slow down. Like a once bit. a week. I, yeah. I love making cocktails. Um, that cocktail sounds delicious. And normally I'm a little leery of cocktails that involve honey because they tend to just get too sweet. But I think if you've got tequila and mezcal yeah. that, and the lime juice, that honey will like be fine. I, I have a cocktail book that I highly recommend that you track down, Adam. Um, it's called Organic Shaken and Stirred. And it came out like maybe around 2008 or nine. And uh, it is by far the best cocktail book I've had. I had a big mixology phase where I was, I was really into mixology and I got this book and I made a ton of cocktails, ton of the recipes. They're all interesting and fascinating and they use cool ingredients, a lot of vegetables or things you don't normally think of to put into a cocktail like snap peas. And um, they're, they're, it's all relatively easy to make. And mm-hmm. I mean, there's, a, some, there's an angle about organic, like don't worry about the organic part if you don't want, if you don't care about the organic, like I don't care about the organic part. But I've, I've since purchased other cocktail books and they've all kind of fallen flat because a lot mm. of them have you uh, making a tincture or, um, <laughs> you know, or doing something yeah. with a the shrub. Like, yeah. Yeah a, yeah. a shrub, <laughs> or you have to make, you have to do something to the, you have to steep the vodka for two weeks. And a lot of them would have these processes that require two weeks, like beforehand maintenance. And uh-huh. I'm like, if it's a Friday night with my friends and we decide to make some cocktails, I need recipes that I can whip up right now. I don't want to have to have like had like a pantry full of vanilla and vodka and cucumber vodka and all these different infusions. So what's your go-to from that book? Like what's your favorite cocktail that you made? The absolute best cocktail from that book and arguably probably the best cocktail I feel like I've ever made is the Snap Pea Rena. And Uh that's the one with the Snap Peas. And that one you take basically like a handful of of Snap Peas. There's an actual measurement, but just like a, a handful, put that into a shaker um also put in um you take a, f- a full lime you cut it into wedges put that in there also and some simple syrup that i forget the amount and you muddle that up and then after you muddle that up you add in gin and ice i think i'm trying to remember if this is correct gin and ice and then you shake it all up and you pour it into a glass and you add, you crack some black pepper over it wow and it is like every single person who has it is always shocked by how delicious it, it is. It is. It is like one of the most perfect drinks that I've ever had. I love snap peas. So that is right up my alley. It almost sounds like a martini, but for the simple syrup, because it, it's the gin yeah. 
Yeah. And I, well, yeah. Well, there's lime juice. So I guess, is that like a gimlet if it's like gin and oh, lime juice? Yeah. Is that a gimlet? Possibly. I I, yeah. I once had a cocktail, I think at ABC kitchen in New York, that was like a basil gimlet. It was just like basil smashed mm-hmm. up like a fresh basil. And so you're so like, similarly to that one. It's like, you got that fresh, like vegetal taste yeah. infused and I loved it. So yeah, that yeah, sounds the, great. The snappy, like as you drink it, you sort of smell it. It's, it, it just, you get, you get that vegetal gardeny smell yeah. to it in a way that works. And the, the drink itself is like a perfect balance of you know, sweet and sour. And if you're not a gin person, you don't have to worry. It's not very ginny. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's perfect. It's, and the black pepper is also key. The black pepper also adds a nice aroma to it. I, I can't describe it. People are always, when I first pr- proposed the cocktail, people are always like, mm, I'm not sure if I want that. And then they have yeah. it. And my parents like, my parents loved it. And that oh. says something. Well, so if you had to give a, a letter rating to Bari and, um, in like a in a review or like a star rating first impression yeah what what, what would you grade it oh let's see a letter rating um my first gosh i don't know because i'm not like calibrated with my letter ratings but i feel like i would give it like a b plus so far yeah right that's a good rating it could go up to an a minus for sure but right now it's a b plus and i would totally go back again i think that's a correct rating yeah i would give it a B plus also because the food was undeniably delicious. If anything, like, I don't know if I quite love the balance of the menu. Like I feel like if, if it's building to the um, skewers, I feel like they should have been more substantive. I feel like, Mm -hmm. like if like in a traditional Italian menu like this, it's like, it's like the appetizers and then the pastas and then like secondi, like a whole fish or like a steak or yeah. something. So I feel like in the structure of this menu where the skewers are, you'd expect there to be something very substantive. So that would be my only criticism. But I think that's a valid, yeah. that's a valid criticism. And I think it also, you know, the dessert, the fact that there's only one dessert, which luckily was something that I liked and was something that I would want to order and something that I did love was good. But that is pretty limiting to only have one dessert. I thought that was yeah. a little strange. And there was a mishit. I mean, the, the wax beans was, it wasn't just like, this wasn't as good as the others. It was something I, I actively did not like. Oh, I liked it more than you did, but I hear what you're saying. Yeah. So, um, Ben, before we end, like, is this what you were talking about, <laughs> about doing more content for my podcast? Like just yeah. talking about stuff like this, but is this too, is this too specific to LA? I mean, are people around the world going to care about our restaurant review? Uh, not sure, but there's only one way to find out, which is to <laughs> put it up there and see what people respond to. I mean, I think also, I, I know if I'm listening to this podcast, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on these dishes, but I'm also interested to hear what you've been cooking this week and what you, yeah. I just, I'm, I think I'm just interested in what you've been eating, Adam, because oh. you are just, you always are e- eating interesting, e- interesting things that you've either made or, or gone to a restaurant to, uh, to try. Got it. Well, I didn't cook that much this week because I went out to a lot of restaurants. So I'm glad yeah. I got to talk about that with you. And thank you for encouraging me to go up to two episodes a week on my podcast. So I think you totally should. I, I think people really want to hear about food from you. So I'm really okay. glad that you're doing this. Awesome. Well, Ben, thanks so much for hopping on with me. And, yeah, thanks uh, for having me. All right. Have a great weekend. You too. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye.